0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I truly appreciate it. Today on the show, I have a really awesome episode for you guys. I talked to Ryan of Rally Roots. Ryan has been in the reselling game for a long time with his wife Allie. I didn't really think about this, but Rally is Ryan and Allie. Rally Roots, anyway. And uh, you know, he's got a lot of lot of experience, but he came out of nowhere the beginning of COVID and got heavy into the vintage t-shirt game. So we get into that. We also talk a lot about eBay selling lots of good and tips and tricks from him on eBay selling. We talk about investing. We talk about all kinds of fun stuff. It's really nice guy and he's out there helping people and I can appreciate that because I enjoy helping people and that's why I'm doing this podcast. And that's probably why you're listening. Okay, but before we get into the episode, I wanted to do something new. This podcast is all about helping people and talking about the business, talking about different things that I'm into marketing and all kinds of stuff. Now, you know, and a side note here, if you're in this business, you are a marketer. You may not look at yourself like that and you may not think of yourself as a marketer, but you are, if you're working by yourself, if you're a one man show, or even if you're a small business, typically, the main part of your job is getting your product in front of people and selling it and that is marketing so I have a marketing tip everyone wants to know how to get better engagement on instagram this is a very good tip so take it use it when you reply to it's very important to reply to everybody for one thing it's very important to reply to your dms and reply to comments on your posts but a trick that you may not know is when someone hits you in the dm If you send them a voice message reply, it triggers the algorithm to think that you are a close friend of that person. And now that person will see your posts more often and it'll bump you up. Okay. That's my tip of the day. Reply to people in the DMs via voice message. Also, it's way easier. You know, if you have to sit there and type out all your messages, it sucks. You literally talk, say what you got to say. They hear your voice. It's personal and it bumps you up in the algorithm that's the tip of the day and without further ado let's get in to the episode with ryan of rally roots
1: Ryan, welcome to the show, dude. What is up, Drew? Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming
0: on. We've been talking about this for a minute and finally we've connected. I don't know. I know. Where. It's funny. Um, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say we, we talk on Instagram all the time, but this is, this is the first time I've actually talked to you in person. Well, face-to-face. Yeah. 2020 I don't know where person.
0: I first started following you. It, it might have been your YouTube, to uh-huh. be honest, because um, you guys put out a lot of videos, man. We do. You're on like I a video YouTube day.
1: Stuff. I feel like bro. some, you know, it's sometimes I'll go through these like ups and downs where sometimes I'm like, let's just knock it out. And sometimes I just, I'm not inspired. Um, yeah. but lately I've been the, the thrifts and stuff in this area opened back up. So we've had content again, you know? So, and then we have Callie helping edit videos now too, so we can pump out a few more, but I love it. I love making those videos, you know?
0: Yeah, dude. Um, I mean, they're, they're rad and they're helping people. So I, I definitely mm-hmm. appreciate that about you guys. But let's go back to the beginning here. You know, right. a lot of people know you from your YouTube uh, because you're helping people. You have a mentorship program. Obviously, you're a big resell educator. And how did you, you know, I know you're from South Africa, correct?
1: I am originally. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. We, we left South Africa. I was five years old when we left. But I was born there in uh, Durban.
0: So, I mean, that's pretty young, but you obviously remember coming over, right?
1: Yeah. And like my mom was born there. Her parents were born there. My dad was born in Scotland and then they moved to South Africa when he was young too. So like all of my family, all of my family was in South Africa and they now they've moved to Australia. So, oh, no way. Um, but most of my extended family or most of my like not immediate family is overseas. Yeah. We so spent a year in Australia ourselves. You
0: moved the whole family to Florida?
1: No, no, to Australia. So just, just my parents and my brother and I moved to Florida or we moved to Texas first, but ended up in Florida and the rest of my family is in now in Australia. What town are they in Australia? Uh, they're on the, in Western Australia. So like Perth area. Yeah. Shout out, shout out W a shout out W a man. There's some awesome people in Australia. Some good, good resellers too. I spent,
0: uh, when I was 21, I spent almost a year, in Australia. I did the eastern circuit but I never made it to Perth. Nice.
1: It's a different world. It was um it was definitely interesting like going from kind of fast-paced America to definitely more like laid back. It's like America 20 years ago in in good and way bad ways. Yeah. <laughs> way cooler. Clean, nice, good people, but it's crazy.
0: So what do you remember <laughs> about when you first came to America, like differences from South Africa?
1: Um The thing that I remember like right off the top of my head is the food. Like immediately when we came to America, we were amazed at uh, fast food because we just didn't have it in South Africa. So like we went to Burger King. One of the first memories, we went to Burger King and you could get a Whopper for I think it was 79 cents. And we each got five. We each got (laughs) five Whoppers and we just sat there and like pigged out. Um, uh, I, like, I was like, damn, I'm a five I wanna, year old. Like, you're like, I'm in heaven right now. Exactly. There's a character. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, funny. Yeah. But we spent, I spent five years in Texas and then we came to Florida. So. Oh, nice. So. I, I remember hearing you, you talked about it at one point.
0: You were in a different business before you got into reselling. Correct?
1: Yep. What yep, was yep. it? Uh, so always in digital marketing. So my first like successful company was an SEO company search engine optimization. Um, and it started off as like a print advertising company. We were literally making uh, door hangers and hang, hanging them on people's doors. And then our um, customers started asking us to get them online. So we made a classifieds website like Craigslist and just started putting them on, on that website. <clears throat> and then, um, and then they started asking like, can you make us our own website? Can you get us ranked on Google? Um, so it all transitioned, no training or anything. It just all transitioned from one thing to another. Um, so that, that
0: intro to YouTube was that, was, were you on
1: YouTube? No. Going like, check out my
0: Ferrari. I'm going to make you a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> never,
1: never, man. None of that shit's ever real. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it was, I was young then too. I was, um, let's see, I was 20, I was 21 years old when we sold that company. So, so
0: was that, did you make a good profit on that company?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We made a decent profit on that. Um, That was the first time I was like comfortable. Um, But we started that company from literally nothing. Like we bartered for the office space that we were in. We didn't have money to pay for rent and then we built it up and then we sold it. And then that after we sold that company, that's when we went to Australia and I started the same company over there. So all web website design, search engine optimization, getting people ranked on Google.
0: Did you sell because you were moving or did you already plan to sell?
1: Uh, we had already planned to sell. So we got approached by a a larger company and they just wanted our clients. So we just sold them the book.
0: Cool. And how was it successful over in Australia too?
1: It was more successful in Australia because we took techniques that we developed here to a market that, like I said, was 10, 20 years behind. So when we got there, we were doing stuff that they just weren't doing yet. Um, so we were able to grow the company super, super fast. And we only spent a year in Australia. Um, and we grew the company and then came back and we still, we had that company in Australia for another year after we left Australia. So two years there.
0: So, um, I didn't really know this, but there's a lot of value in, in working in marketing before you do what you do 100%. now, of course. Yeah. So if you could think of like a couple things that you took from your time in marketing to what you do now, like, what would it be like?
1: Yeah. I yeah. think about this all the time. Cause a lot of people, I, in vintage and reselling in general, I think a lot of people forget to you. I mean, you are a marketing company, right? If you want to sell something, you have to market yourself. And I think the biggest thing that people forget to do is brand themselves. Um, And I think that's something that we're, we're really, really good at is we've branded ourselves really well around rally roots. Um, So now when people hear that they recognize us for reselling and YouTube and vintage or whatever. Um, But we, we were very particular when we chose to brand ourselves under Rally Roots because we didn't want to um, we didn't want to lock ourselves into doing only one thing, right? So we didn't call ourselves Rally Roots eBay store or how to sell you know on Amazon Rally. You know what I mean? So we didn't yeah. like it's, it. Wasn't Ryan's eBay store? It was it was Rally Roots. Like we can do whatever we want. If I want to start flipping houses, we can do that. It's all about it's all just about selling stuff and making and invested, right? Um, yeah. But I yeah. think that. Yeah yeah and and it's hard it's hard once you're locked into something uh, it's hard to pivot into something else if you've already branded yourself and I use this all the time. I use the story of i don't know if you know this person but there's another reseller who goes by uh, he goes by daily refinement now shout out chris so he went by he went by ten k on the bay to begin with, and his whole marketing was selling ten or listing ten thousand items on eBay um, when he started transitioning off of eBay into other things, he was still Granted as that, and then he started transitioning himself. But it took him a long time to start getting recognized as a different brand because he locked himself into eBay. Yeah. So, you know, I would say if you're well, thinking about branding yourself, don't call yourself, you know, Deepop Seller Ryan.
0: Yeah. Fair game, dude. Yeah. And I promote the shit out of that too. I promote personal branding. I tell this to people mm-hmm. all the time. The market for for most businesses is super saturated. So, like, how do you differentiate yeah. yourself? And you need to. Yeah put your face forward and you're right. Like, uh, not pigeonholing. When we did Frankie collective, that was one of the things we didn't want to make it like Frankie vintage because we're like, well, well maybe we won't always sell just vintage Exactly. Frankie reworks. Maybe we won't always just sell reworks. So now uh, collective, I can be like, we're going into a different market. We're bringing different product mix on and it still works, you know? Yeah. Good point, man. Um, okay. So let's get into eBay because, Okay. I have a lot of points. I have like a huge list of stuff to talk to you about. Dude, Dude I'm I, here. Like, let's cool go. Off, you know?
1: Yeah, man. I love this. So let's go.
0: Cool. So you have a mentorship program, right?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Um, and it's based around eBay. The eBay like was where you started in the resale game, right? Correct. So what, where else do you sell at, at this point now?
1: So uh, we sell on, on Depop. We sell on um, Amazon we have a couple eBay stores and then we have a, a larger wholesale business as well, where we sell wholesale to other resellers. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you know, I've heard you in the past promote eBay over a lot of other or like people have asked you, why don't you open a website? And you're like, well, why? Because there's already so much built in marketing yeah. power in eBay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So talk about that for a little bit here. Like, you know, you haven't, you haven't done your own, like you are doing more of it now with the vintage, but still like mm-hmm. you're still going hard on eBay. Right?
1: yeah absolutely yeah most most like single item pieces we still sell on ebay Uh, it's still a good platform i mean they have millions and millions of people uh built-in network of people buying so why not use them i think it's worth it you know even the the fees are what they are like i would rather pay i would rather pay ebay a 10 percent finder's fee to find a a buyer than pay you know 10 grand to build a really good website and then another 20 grand to market that website to find that one buyer
0: yeah and uh you know, when you look at eBay, it's still comparable price wise, fee wise, to Depop, to Amazon, it all is. those other things, right?
1: It is, yeah. And you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, focusing on a particular platform if all you do is vintage and all you the only place you want to list is Depop because that's where all your buyers are. I think that's okay, but I would still say like cross post onto eBay because there's still a lot of buyers there. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why there's a reason why we focus on eBay and Amazon. And it's because they're the two largest e-commerce websites in the world. Like that's, those are the websites that people use to buy stuff. Even something like Poshmark um, and Depop, like they're, they're good. Don't get me wrong. Like you can sell stuff on there, but they don't have nearly the traffic that eBay or Amazon have. So why wouldn't you want to be on the platforms that are the largest platforms?
0: Yeah, of course. We started on eBay back in the day. Yeah. Originally we were just selling on eBay. It was the glory days. This is like 2003. Oh, right. could sell Any vintage t-shirt there was like, you could probably count all the big sellers on two hands. You know what I mean? Back in That's those crazy. days. That's crazy. So it was awesome That's So like cool. you yeah. would find lots of great stuff and we sold everything. We sold a mix of everything and our business grew because of eBay. And then we branched out. And when mm-hmm. I look at eBay now, like there's still certain things I'll sell on eBay because mm-hmm. there's still certain things where, it doesn't fit my market or my mm-hmm. my following or F is in Frank's following or Frank's sure. following. So like I always have a pile going of like these things I know will do well, right? right? So we kind of so use it, you, like a secondary thing, but it still brings in good money.
1: Do you have like particular things? Because I'm the same way, right? So like certain things, um, I'll we'll put on Instagram and they'll go in a heartbeat. Yeah, uh, certain vintage pieces, but something like like '80s Raglans, those go really well for us on eBay. And I think maybe because there's more of an international market on eBay and a lot of the times those go overseas because they're smaller and there's, there's Plus, more the collectors. The customer
0: for that is a bit of an older person probably. Sure. And they're more yeah, used right. to buying on eBay, whereas like right. they're like, they're not sitting watching a live on their phone probably, right?
1: You're right. You're absolutely right.
0: Um, so yeah, for me, there's lots. Like we do a lot of jerseys. So like whenever we get good mm-hmm. gamers or like authentics, we put them on eBay because the audience sure. is there. Basically any yep. good sports does well. Yep. True. Um, certain brands, like, you know, if it's a designer brand, but it doesn't fit in with my Frankie vibe, it'll go on there. Mm. Or like Filson kills it on eBay
1: because that customer's yes. um, I just found a great Filson piece the other day. I uh, love that brand. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Filson's great. And we usually get a lot because we're in the Northwest, right? I
1: know. I'm jealous.
0: Um, So, yeah, there's definitely stuff, you know, like outerwear, yeah. like North Face Arc'teryx in the fall. You can sell a ton of that stuff on there.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, Good question, because that brings me into what's your top five things to sell on eBay?
1: On eBay, okay. Um, So when we first started out, like when we first started reselling, we would literally sell, and I think this is the right way for most people to start, Um, we would sell anything that we could make money on. And I think that's important because it's it's one of the best ways to learn. And then as you grow, you can start narrowing things down into certain categories. But now I would say my favorite things to sell on eBay would be obviously vintage, I like vintage t-shirts. Um, I love selling those higher end jackets. So North Face, X, um, Canada Goose, stuff like that. Uh, and then shoes for us is a big one, but we don't sell with shoes like we sell, I call them like common consumables. So shoes that people use and then they fall apart eventually and then they rebuy. We don't sell any like hype shoes. We probably should but we don't um so we sell like merrells we sell keens we sell like like active outdoor footwear and it's they sell really well for us on ebay uh, and we can get them a lot so
0: i do notice that you guys sell a lot of shoes and that's something i've yeah. never really delved into so you're saying merrell keen what other brands are good
1: uh so like even like work shoes like danceco shoes sell really well um, L.L. Bean, certain L.L. Bean shoes sell well. Timberland, um, let's see. North Face shoes sell well. Patagonia shoes sell well. Yeah. Um, pretty much like any outdoor outdoor brand, we will sell. Yeah.
0: And for people getting in the game on eBay, what about tips for selling beyond what to post, but like just back end tips? Like you got mm. a couple good tips that help you get more traction?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest tip I can give is like, look at sold comps before you buy something. Um, So there's nothing, in my opinion, like we all have to learn, right? And there's nothing wrong with looking up an item and learning how much it's selling for. Don't just buy something assuming that it's gonna sell for a lot of money. Like actually look it up and look at sold, go to sold comps on eBay and just make sure the item is selling for what you think it is selling for. Um, And then when you do that, if you click on sell similar or sell one like this instead of creating your own listing use what's already out there because all that stuff automatically uploads to your listing your titles there you can just tweak the title don't copy it 100 percent, but tweak the title make sure you're taking really good pictures take at least four pictures um put in as many item specifics as you can and your stuff will sell i mean if you're buying if you're buying in demand items they're gonna sell
0: and what about uh algorithm info like do you guys You guys are probably up on your eBay news, right? Like eBay eBay used to just be like everything, like chronological, it just pops up. And now they obviously went to an algorithm system. Do you have any tricks
1: Yeah, it's funny because it like, it totally takes me back now, how eBay is now, it takes me back to my Google SEO days because it's the same exact thing. Like no one knows exactly how Cassini, which is Google's uh, search algorithm, no one knows exactly how it works but there are certain things you can do like make sure that your the brand is the first thing that you put in the title. So if I'm selling a pair of Nike shoes, I'm not going to put I'm not going to put men's shoes size 9 Nike. I'm going to start it off with the brand because that's the thing that most people search for to begin with. So Nike and then the model and then the color and then the gender and then the size. Um and then the other thing is that the title is the most important thing you can you can uh Customize, or you can SEO on eBay. So as many relevant keywords as you can put in your title. I suggest using the entire title. Uh, Don't ever use all caps. Uh, That's one thing that the search engine doesn't like. Don't use all caps in your title. Don't use special characters like stars or asterisks or anything like that. Um, Don't use emojis. You're pretty much it's it's weird, but you're writing. You're trying to write code that the search engine is going to read and then go, okay, this is what, if, if a person searches for Nike shoes, that, that robot crawls the list in and goes, the first, the first thing I'm reading says Nike shoes. And then let me look at everything else. There's other keywords, you know, there's the, the, the sizes in there, the colors in there, uh, the pictures look good, all the, the, the descriptions in there, all the item specifics. Let's put this one up to the top because everything's in there in the correct way. And you know, somebody on another podcast, we talked about eBay a lot. This was an old one.
0: They were saying that the first three to five words in the title are the most important and it starts to rank them less and less as the title goes on. So they were saying like putting vintage in front in the first word is not optimal because it uses that instead of what it actually is.
1: Yeah, so it depends depends what you're selling though too. Because if everybody's going to eBay and searching vintage 90s t-shirt, if that's all they're searching, then you would kind of want that to be at the beginning of your title. That's uh, true. But it, with with vintage, I still think that putting the the uh, brand or the material, the you know, like the shirt behind you, lawnmower man. If I was listing that shirt, I would put the lawnmower man vintage '90s t-shirt.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. I know people that go to the extent to just search the word t-shirt, and they sit there for so long going through listings. I'm like, how do you shop like that? You're just like, you have to look through like ten thousand items to find something yeah but everyone's got their own
1: search search ways you know i'll do that sometimes for myself i'll do like t-shirt and then or vintage t-shirt and then just my size and just look if i'm looking for something for myself trying to snipe something you know
0: i'll do that but they're trying to hope that somebody put a vintage tee up without using the term vintage so they're just oh that's
1: tough man i'm like that's a long process that's tough yeah
0: agreed Um, So you have the mentorship program and this helps people learn mostly about eBay, right?
1: Yeah. It's probably like 90% eBay, 10%. Like Like sell uh, your
0: program, man. Why should people join this? So
1: you know what though? The one thing that I will say is, is that you don't need a, mentorship program you don't need a course to be successful in this that's the first thing i'll say like we didn't have one there's enough free information out there that you could do it yourself and sometimes the best way to do it is to go and make mistakes yourself Uh, and you don't have to go and spend thousands of dollars on a course to have someone teach you who isn't actually even doing it themselves that's the that's the first thing i'll say okay (laughs) um but yes so but your course yeah, isn't dope. even thousands of dollars. Your course is no, like No, no. It's it's 500 bucks. Yeah. It's 500 bucks. And I I hate even calling it a course. We call it a mentorship program because we take on only we take on 75 people at a time and then we we guide them through like we try to hold their hand from beginning to end showing them what we've done. So obviously yeah. we have like a library of videos that walks them through everything. Um, but we want people to have like personal access to us where they can send us questions and we can answer them. You know, even on buys, like a lot of the times just being a sounding board for someone where if I'm transitioning from buying, you know, one thing at a time to a hundred things at a time, and I have someone who's, who's been there, done that. And I can send them an email and say, Hey, do you guys think that this is a good buy? And then we can look at it and go, yeah, man, go for it. Or probably not. So, but it's, I mean, I love it. We've, we've worked with, I think like 1100 people total now, which is crazy. It's crazy to think, um, but it for us, it's, it's one of the coolest things to see people go from, uh, just starting or, um, or like getting their feet wet to, you know, doing 10, $20,000 a month. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. It's definitely rewarding.
1: You know, I agree with what you say
0: a little bit, you know, the best way to learn is to make the mistakes. You got to make mistakes and everyone will make mistakes regardless, but I do think there's so much value in, in having all that information in one place, at least to kickstart your journey, right? Like- it's
1: it's a shortcut. It really is, yeah. So you know, what would what took us two years to accomplish, we try to get people to be able to to have the information to be able to do it in six months. So it, it's like it is. I mean, it's a it's a shortcut. These are the mistakes that we made. Here's here's some tips on how to go from A to Z. Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
0: on to the next topic, my man. T-shirt. Yeah. T shirt. Let's go. Okay, first question here. <laughs> yeah, um, there was a lot of talk in the industry about you guys because you guys jumped out of nowhere. Well, not Fair out of nowhere. You're, you're, you're resellers <laughs> already, but you jumped out of your reselling everything to suddenly yep. becoming massive players yep. in the vintage T shirt world. Sure. And, like, well, first of all, what was this decision? And, like, where did it come from? And, like, you, yeah. you just went frickin' head first. Yeah
1: love love and hate i'm sure
0: (laughs) yes there's definitely some love and hate out there i
1: know i know i know um so i've always loved vintage for years like personally love collecting vintage we've always sold it too but nowhere near in the scale that we've gotten into it in 2020 and the main reason why we got we jumped into it so heavily is because of covid like because everything was locked down we didn't really have um, our, our, certain wholesalers that we dealt with, we didn't have access to inventory anymore. And for us, it was co- kind of like a means to an end. We, we went, okay, well, what do we love? What do we still love doing? Uh, we love vintage. We love the vintage community. How do we get into it in a heavy, heavy way? And we just looked at it and go, okay, well, a lot of people out there in the vintage community aren't really, I hate to say, it, but they're not really running it like a business. People are collectors, which is awesome. I'm a collector too. Um, but people aren't people aren't like really taking advantage of the opportunity because it's such a big opportunity.
0: Yeah, I want to interject something. It's funny that you say you started with COVID because I've talked about this too. Out of adversity comes innovation and that's essentially what happened. You you needed to make a move and you found this new way to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, also, and you're you so know, right about the vintage sellers not doing it like a business because I talk about this too and I was thinking yeah. about all my people I've had on the podcast and I'm like, mm-hmm. I've only talked to
1: a handful that even have any employees. It's, it's strange. It's strange, but it's, it's rare in vintage and it, listen, there's nothing wrong with that too. Like it's okay to be a collector. There's nothing wrong with buying shirts and then making a little bit of money on them or not even making any money on them. Just being a collector, no issue with that. Um, but for us, like we, like you said, we have employees, we have people to pay, we have bills, we have. Mortgages and you know, we have things we have to pay. And for us, we run vintage we run vintage like a business. I love t-shirts. Um, there's shirts that I have that will never be for sale, um, but most things are for sale. Yeah. At the end of the day, for me, like most things, most of the time it's just a t-shirt and we will sell it.
0: So explain to us the business model of what you guys are doing in vintage. Because from the outside okay. looking in, you're selling a lot of pieces as is, you're yep. doing Instagram sales, you're putting some on yep. your eBay store, you've, you've now merged with, New York state of mind, or uh-huh. you know, I don't know how that partnership goes, but you can explain he it
1: works. He works for us.
0: Okay. Um, he's an, he's an employee. He's an employee. Okay. Cause it, it's from the outside, it might look like he's a partner essentially. Um, and then you're also doing like these massive wholesale drops and selling off in bundles. Yes. So give us like a rundown of your model here.
1: So, I mean, you pretty much explained it. We're, we're trying to buy in, we'll buy in, in bulk that most people can't buy so uh you know we're not we're trying really not to buy like 500 hundred dollar boxes we're trying to buy ten thousand to twenty thousand dollar collections at a time and again going back to covid we we were able to initially get our feet wet in that market because um a lot of these vintage stores physical locations were closed
0: yeah plus yeah. there's there's a lot of fear in the market so people so thinking, much i'd fear. rather sit on cash than t-shirts right now
1: correct um so the the stores were closed, no markets going on at all um so now you have people with a massive amount of inventory that all they do is markets. They were building up to to open their own store, but now they're just stuck with inventory, they can't sell it anywhere. A lot of these guys didn't even sell on eBay a lot of these guys didn't didn't list their stuff anywhere yeah. so for us it was um it was a way to go, okay, well, one, we could cash these guys out, so at least they're getting some sort of income coming in. And it's obviously beneficial for us too, because we get the pieces for less than what we can sell them for. So we're buying um, thousands and thousands of pieces a week and then breaking it down into you know, maybe super high-end pieces we'll sell on Instagram or on eBay. Uh, mid to high pieces we'll bundle up into 10, 20, 30 piece lots and then drop them on our website, people buy them. Um, and then we'll do like lower mid lots, 40, 50 Ts at a time, same thing. Them in boxes that way, and and, uh, and and just to clarify as well, our model, and this is this is funny too because I actually had this conversation with a, another vintage seller because they were like, dude, what you're doing is stupid. How are you not doubling your money on the inventory that you're buying? And I'm like, dude, that's not a, that's that's not any business, like, no business doubles their money on everything. That's crazy. The biggest companies in the world, if they're, if they're netting 20%, that's amazing, right yeah so, so for us it's a volume game right if, if we're spending ten thousand dollars to make three thousand dollars net awesome super happy with that if i could make a 30 percent return on my money sweet and especially if, if
0: you have the systems in place to run it through like yeah if it doesn't take you a ton of work you can you can get that ten thousand dollar box in get it out within the week or whatever and you made your three grand yeah. do that a few times you're doing you're doing great right. and i do speak about this a lot too because i think too many people are, are held up in what you just said doubling the money on the t-shirt or tripling the money or five times in their money. or like, you know, this shirt's worth, I'm going to hold out for a thousand on this shirt. And you're like, you could be holding out for months, years. Yeah. They they don't differentiate like the thousand dollars they want for the shirt and the amount of money they want to make in a month. See, I'm focused on like how much money Mm. I need to make in the month to get to my goals. I have financial goals, business goals, just like I'm sure you do. Yep you got to be focused on the end result. Like what's the point of it all versus like just doubling on a t-shirt.
1: Yeah. Again, unless you don't really care about the money, which there's a lot of people in vintage, you don't. And and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but for again, for us, it's a business. And then going back to what you said, like because this, the, the bulk vintage side of things for us is it's still fairly new. Like we only got heavy, heavy into it in 2020. So and we absolutely made mistakes at the beginning like we've been it's been a trial and error type thing to get our feet wet into the community i'm sure we pissed a lot of people off but you know it's funny <laughs> <There's, laughs> you What's know, funny talk. though yeah 100 percent. for but... sure um but what's funny is like a lot of the people that we pissed off are now like our are really good friends because they realize like we're not we're literally not out to ruin anything we're not trying to kill the community we're not trying to hurt vintage i love vintage i love it um And all we want to do is, is benefit the community, but still make money doing it. We still have to make money doing it. So
0: of course, um, you know, I think it all plays into everything. 2020 has been a crazy year for vintage Mm. since COVID COVID changed the game completely. And like part of what you got, obviously your whole business model came out of it, but it also what you guys are doing has played into the market because you're offering bundles that are then kid can buy and he can go on the virtual flea, which is a new thing yep. and sell it or yep. do his own lives and just sell. Which through. that, I mean,
1: what an amazing, what is it? What an amazing innovation right there. Like to, and I'll be honest with you. When I first saw um, 1980 start doing that virtual flea, I was like, you know, this could either go one of two ways. It could either crash and burn or blow up. And it went, it blew up, which is so cool. It's so cool to see it, you know, and, yeah, and it I works. Like bad. we, yeah, we're now we're doing the lives too. And we totally took that idea and, and ran with it. And it's awesome. It's cool to see. I love seeing, um, on, on his lives too. And, and props to him. Cause he goes live for like, what? Like 12 hours. It's crazy. Dude, it's
0: crazy. I've sent out on the podcast. I'm like, bro, how do you do this all day? Like I would burn out. That's a lot of talking. He's a, a machine. Of, like, he's a machine. Yeah.
1: But then we you, went look live- at,
0: you look at his business model too. Like talking about business models. It's like, yeah. Charges for the flea. So oh yeah so he's making great money every weekend just oh, yeah. from having the ability to help other people sell. And I love platform that because it's, it's creating money in our business without having to buy and sell a t-shirt. Yeah. It's awesome. Just like you do with YouTube and mentoring and other things. It's like creating secondary revenue streams from this yep. business without the yep. actual act of buying and selling vintage, you know?
1: Yeah, and how important is that? Like having multiple revenue streams is, I think as a reseller is the most important thing. Like if all we sold was vintage t-shirts, I would be broke because I've spent so much money buying these tees. (laughs) Like we have so much money in inventory, Um, but luckily we have other avenues that continue to make money like shoes. I have have that on the list here. I want to talk about it, but before we get off the t-shirt topic, we got to talk about you guys getting
0: burned on deals. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. So obviously we've seen you post about it and you're buying massive quantities. Like you, I see you yeah. post about that too. So you're buying, I don't know, thousands of, you know, tens of thousands a week worth of yep. product. Yep. What kind of percentage are you getting burned? And then also like, do you in your own business model have a percentage that you're okay with getting burned yeah. as like a, it's called like a loss, a loss to the company. Yeah,
1: That's a super good question actually. Yeah so we try at the so at the beginning we were buying everything so we we definitely got bur- burned more when we first started doing this lost a little bit of money here and there um but now we try to we try to see at least like half of the pieces that we're going to be get, getting before they show up um so now i would say we're not getting burned um maybe one out of 50 deals will will get slightly burned on and then we try to at least work with the person and be like hey man this really wasn't very good. Um, do you want to like take it back or do you want to like send us something else? Or, I don't know. What do you want to do? And most people are willing to do that. Um, you know, us included, we've sent out boxes where people have been like, Hey man, I, I wanted to triple my money on this and I can only double. And I'm like, sure, man, here's some more t-shirts. Uh, <laughs> but um, actually it's funny you say that because I've yeah.
0: talked to people who bought from you. I bought from you guys, just chefs shooting that out there. I bought some yeah. NASCAR bundles and stuff and, it's always been good transaction, and then a couple people said that you always you always came correct. If anybody had an issue with the bundles,
1: again, man, like this isn't um, this isn't a fly by night thing for us. We've been doing this for eight years, full time now. So I'm not going to let my reputation get ruined over 500 bucks. I don't care. You know what I mean? The only time we'll ever have someone um, like where we're not able to fix an issue. Is if they want to use our name for views. That's it. It's only happened one time with some kid that put out a YouTube video.
0: So, what he put "Rally Roots" in the title?
1: Yeah, it was the second YouTube video ever, and it's got ten times the amount of views that his other videos have. Which is which? I, and now that I'm saying that, oh, because we're probably he, gonna... he did
0: he open a bundle on the video?
1: Yeah. Oh, also, yeah. you got because
0: all... he's like, don't put my name in the video.
1: No, no, or no, no, you... no, no. He opened a uh, uh, pack that we sent him. Yeah. And he was like, this is, this is, he he called it like a scam. Okay. But there's a whole thing around it. I don't really want to get into it. Um, but (laughs) at the end of the day,
0: I did did the question, I shouted out the questions on Instagram and somebody wrote, tell us about the nine K bundle. That was dry rot. Is there, is there a story about dry rotted?
1: Yeah, I don't want to say any names yet because it's, it's still an it's still an ongoing thing. Um and we're it's the the items that we bought from this particular person are getting back to him on Wednesday and Thursday. We sent everything back, so we're expecting a refund. We'll see what happens. Um if we don't, we'll go from there. But yeah, it was uh $9100 and it was a complete bait and switch, man. Like he fa- he face us, showed us all the pieces everything on it was like mostly band tees, everything on giant tags and uh winterland tags and there were 50 uh x-files t's on stanley tags every single x-files t was dry up like ripped to shreds ripped to shreds there weren't that many in there and then everything else was uh screen printed tags or like new gildan tags uh, i don't know i don't know if the guy just thought like he could fuck us over and and make a quick 9k but hell no. Luckily I paid with a business credit card. Um, and we'll see, we'll see, we'll
0: see. So that question just got to give them a shout out came from seeking treasures underscore seeking treasures underscore. Yeah, dude. So what do you recommend about protecting yourself when you're doing purchases like this? How else you're obviously that guy could process credit cards. So he was a legit dealer or something, but yeah. a lot of people can't process cards. So you send always goods and service.
1: Uh, it depends how big the deal is and if we've worked with the person before. So if it's uh, if it's like a new person that we're buying from, usually we'll do a test run. So you know, if we, if they want to sell us five grand worth of stuff, we'll do we'll say okay, we'll buy you know a, a few hundred dollars worth of stuff and send it friends and family. Let's see what happens and see how it shows up, and then we'll finish finish the transaction after that. But I have no problem sending friends to family if we know the person and we've dealt with them before. Obviously, we still have to make sure for tax purposes that everything's documented. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. I, we don't have to send goods and services all the time, but if it's a new person and there's no, you know, they don't want to do a test or something, 100%, I'll pay with the credit card. Yeah. So you can open a dispute if we need to. Yeah.
0: Good call. I get that a lot. I I hear people hitting me up, going like, I gave this guy, friends and family, he totally burned me. Yeah. Like it was a first time transaction. And I'm like, so,
1: and that's the thing though, too, is like, how many of those we, cause we hear that all the time too, but more, most of the time it's on deals under, under a grand. Oh yeah. Because any, any company charging you over a thousand dollars for something, they should have a merchant account. They should be able to do that goods and services. So yeah. if they're asking you to wire them money or sending friends and family for 10 grand, like probably don't buy from that person. And like <laughs> 10 grand
0: to you is relative to like 500 to half the sellers out there, you know, because you're dealing in sure. huge
1: quantity but dude, it's still money. It's still stress. You know what yeah, I mean? Like I, I don't want to lose 500 bucks either. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I definitely don't want to lose 9,000.
0: <laughs> yeah. I got another question. This comes from Scotty underscore pimpin 10. No, Scotty underscore pimpin 210. He says, what does he think of people saying he sells reprints or reproductions of teas? I, I so, have a, history with this. This a random question. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah no, I totally, I'll totally take that one. Um, we bought a a lot of five thousand dollars worth of anime tees, and uh i think three of them ended up being like new bootleg prints and they were they were initially listed as vintage and then we took it down and listed it as a, a new bootleg and then they sold they sold for more i think people got mad because they sold for more than what they dropped for but they were sold out like they dropped i think they dropped for like 60 bucks and then we sold it for like 120 so we like doubled our money on them is that um, the only time
0: you've had fakes come in boxes or, or new? No,
1: no, I've had, um, we've had, a, uh, like fake rap teas before and we've had to deal with the seller and get our money back on stuff like that. But, and again, um, it's all.
0: So just quick, like when you get that stuff, like, is your knowledge good enough now that you've been handling a lot of teas to tell right away, or did it take you a bit to learn how to tell? Cause some of them are really good.
1: Yeah, dude. Now, now it is, to be honest with you, like, um, I I've handled so many pieces that i think that my education in the past few months has been like you know like all of this information coming in at once where now i think i have the i have the knowledge of someone who's been in the game for 5 6 years um just because i've bought so much shit right and i've i've been looking at all this stuff and i've seen all these fakes and i've seen the real deal too so really, but but the other
0: important thing that that fact that you say that like there's yeah. no, there's nothing that can replace touching a lot of product like, oh you can't my God, learn- yeah any other way about vintage, like if you want to know about Levi's, you got to see a shitload of Levi's. Like after years of doing it, I could see a teeny piece of denim sticking out of a bin. And I'm like, that's like a, that's an old piece of denim. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. Yeah, you can't, that's why I say like people should go like intern for people, go help people yeah. be around it. Cause that's the only way to yeah. really learn.
1: Yeah. I think one of the best ways to learn would be as, as like a young kid, if you want to get into vintage, like go uh, work at a vintage store go work at the counter and go look at everything that's coming in.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. Um, We're still learning every day too. That's the other thing. Like, and, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that either. You know, I know like we get a lot of hate sometimes too, because we're, we're new into vintage, even though like I've been personally buying it for myself for a while. Like I have pieces, vintage pieces that I've had for five, six years in my closet. Um, But I, I think that the some of the vintage community is is uh kind of mean to new people getting into it. And I think that there's something wrong, you know, there's there, that's wrong because we need those new people. Those new people coming in are buyers. They're going to go and find the inventory and dig it up and you know, everybody starts somewhere. That's the whole thing like you have to give people a chance. I hate it when when someone's like, "No, you can't sit with us because you don't know shit about anything." You know what I mean? Like, "Let me learn. I want to learn."
0: <laughs> yeah. I liken it to um, uh, you know other industries where if, you were, if you're a plumber or you, you want to be a plumber, you're going to apprentice with a plumber. That, that plumber is going to teach you everything he knows. And he's going to, he knows the whole time that eventually you're going to go off and you're going to start right. your own business and you're going to be a plumber. Right. But within vintage, that mentality is completely gone because people are scared of the size of the business. They think it's going to take their market share. Yeah. New people coming in is going to screw it up. But it's funny where we're at right now, because when you look at it, you're like, wow, prices are going fucking nuts. Sure, it might make it a little harder to source sometimes, but we wouldn't be where we are, the popularity of it. Like you wouldn't even be in the game if this new wave of vintage t-shirts was going off, you know? Correct. It takes more people to be involved to make it what it is today.
1: Yeah. And I think 2020 has proven how big of a industry it actually is. It's massive. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So what do you Even think? Out- like,
0: you know, you we talked about the flea for a second there, and you did your own live. Yeah. How did your own live go?
1: It went awesome, man. We did uh just under three grand in three hours. So it was, it was good. It was fun. Good people. Nice. And um
0: you invest. I see you post about investing. I know you're in the market. You just bought yep. the new Rally Roots ranch. Congrats on that. Looks like a Thank really you. cool property. Appreciate you know, it. It's peaceful. Ah, nice. I'm all for investing and buying property myself. Um and when you do invest and you look at the markets and you look at historical trends of mm. money and everything it kind of makes you look at vintage in the same way a little bit so yes. what is your thoughts on the market where it's going how high we could possibly go and like what's next here
1: ooh that's such a that's such a hard question you know it's 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 tough right now because i don't think anybody i don't think anybody really knows like for me, if I'm looking at the market and I go, an Aladdin T just sold for six thousand dollars. Shout out Heat Broker, couldn't have gone to a better person. But that's fucking crazy. That <laughs>
0: <Right. And I laughs> right? jumped from like three, three or four k. So it like, yeah, all of a sudden that was the top marker, and now six k is the top marker. It's like, what's going to be the next top marker?
1: Yeah, so I, I think that um, I think we're definitely at a top peak on certain things. I think we're at the top peak on Disney for sure. And that's the crazy thing is like, it's so hard to read the market because stuff that we were wholesaling four months ago for 10 bucks a piece, Disney pieces, I'm watching sell for $150, $200, yeah. which is crazy. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. Actually the, st- the one story you asked me to share like a story on vintage, I want to. Sh- this is a good leeway into that because I have the piece here, check this okay, out. Okay, nice, let's see it. So the hype on the ben and jerry's oh yeah man so this is this
0: is the ben and jerry's i'm just gonna explain it for everyone so it's the all over print with the cow field the
1: the the clouds that obviously matches the shoes and this is the liquid blue one liquid blue nice so okay so here's the thing i love ben and jerry's and i love vintage right so this was a christmas present oh i gotta get the screenshot allison bought me this t-shirt let me see if I can hold it up. December 14th, 2018, she bought it on eBay nice. for $24. Gold, man. Okay. It's a good investment. So like, it is, it's a good investment, but who would have known at that point that the chunky donkeys were even, I mean, I didn't even know they were coming out, right? So, and then who knew the hype was gonna be so crazy around them? Now it's a $300 t-shirt. Yeah, totally. So, but that's what i'm saying is like it's so hard to read the market same thing with like with like grateful dead tees because the the shoe trend now is following the clothing fashion trend too so like i love grateful dead tees just because of the designs and all of my all of the t-shirt values now have gone up because people are trying to match their kicks
0: yep and right uh, yeah and i think not only that obviously like when when shoes drop and this you know like Travis Scott wore a different pair of Dunks. They went up like 40% in one day. Yes. That stuff drives the hype. Crazy. But it also, the hype of shoes is the same. The same customer is hyping on shoes, now is hyping on t-shirts. So I feel like that yes. mentality helped the t-shirt market grow because yes. they're used to that. They're used to paying a thousand bucks for a pair of shoes or 2,000 right? 5,000. Right. So it doesn't seem crazy when they're coming out of pocket for that for a t-shirt.
1: It doesn't. And I think that that crossover might be what keeps the prices high and sustains it. The hype, people coming over and buying and paying these ridiculous prices. I think that might sustain it because it's it's been sustainable with shoes and Supreme and Bape and all that good stuff. Um, but if it wasn't for that, I if I if it wasn't for that, and I could short the vintage market, I would probably short it right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny crazy. you say that. I just watched The Big Short last night.
1: Yeah, movie it's about like,
0: 2008 crash.
1: That's bro, so like the economy is nuts. Like people are absolutely losing their jobs. I'm watching, I'm watching retail businesses go under like left and right. The stock market's at an all time high. Um, it, it, it's just crazy. Like, I don't know. So me personally, I'm still investing, but I'm, I'm like 90% liquid right now because I'm scared besides yeah. vintage t-shirts. I have a lot of money in vintage t-shirts. Well, <laughs> um, so but, let's but, talk
0: about that for a second, man. Like uh, you're 90% liquid because you're, yeah. you're, you're worried about an impending deep, deep dip, right? Coming.
1: Correct. And I, and I want to be able to capitalize on it.
0: Yeah. So when, you know, any predictions on when or how that might come about or you just stay in liquid till you see the dip.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it probably has a lot to do with the election and what happens in 2021. Is there going to be another shutdown in America? Um, if there is, I think that's, it's probably the end unless there's some crazy stimulus that comes out. I don't know, but people can live off. Have they talked about off... doing
0: another stimulus beyond the um, 600 bucks? Yeah. Uh,
1: yes. Yeah. There's supposed, to, there was like another stimulus package in place that hasn't been released yet as far as I know. Yeah.
0: Cause I know, I know a lot of business in, Amer- in America, even in Canada, we got a lot of money. Uh, businesses got the money, but also citizens yeah. got the money. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are spending their stimulus money now. Uh, first of all, everyone's got to pay tax on this money. That's the same in America, right? No. Or is it tax free?
1: I believe it's tax free.
0: See in Canada, people are getting two grand a month, but about 600 bucks of that's tax. So all these sure. people are getting this money are going to get that's a lot of tax though. bills.
1: Yeah. Americans, Americans got 1200 bucks once.
0: Yeah, but don't aren't, isn't everyone getting like twenty four hundred dollars in unemployment right now, too, if you're employed?
1: Unemployment benefits, I think, just ran out uh a couple of weeks ago. But so yes, yeah, kind of worrying
0: still, a little bit too because And that's people- what I'm
1: saying is like it's it's been propped up and it's scary because that's if that runs out and then two months down the line lo- down the line, that now that's when people's houses are gonna repossess and cars are getting repossessed, and if there's no jobs, then it's bad. Yeah. It's bad
0: so do you play any other uh, commodities like uh gold bitcoin cryptos
1: any other i other? i have some bullion but i don't play any crypto no i'm i'm way too scared
0: <laughs> crypto did take a little bit of a jump I did last, i saw like, i watch oh, it I yeah, yeah. one
1: kind of my of one of my one of my good friends chris dunn um he was one of the first people to actively trade uh bitcoin Um, So, and when he, when he like a millionaire, I'm sure he is. Yeah. Yeah. When he like first jumped into it, I was like, dude, what is this scam? What what is this bullshit? I'm like, I'm not buying that. That's crazy. Um, And I think that was, I think it was at like 500 bucks a coin back then. So I would have been a millionaire too if I bought.
0: But you look at, you look at how you're saying everything's propped up. So there's gonna yeah. be, it's super uncertain. I talk to investors a lot and they're yep. saying like, this is a, it's teetering here. This is a very scary time oh, yeah. to be in the market. Um, so if it, if it goes bust and it starts to go crazy, like I feel like people are going to put more trust into Bitcoin or Ethereum or these cryptos or sure. gold or different yep. commodities that are not yep. the U S dollar. They're talking that the yep. U S dollar could, could become, um, up. Upheaved as the world um, currency, so yeah, in the, the world gold currency for like what I don't know, hundred years or something, mm. the standard. So now, if that changes, I mean, I'm not that big of an economist. I don't know how that would affect everything, but I don't think it's a good thing.
1: I I I personally don't see that happening. Um, but again, it's really hard to predict the future. But I if I think if that happens, I think the entire world is hell in a handbasket you know what i mean like the entire world's fucked if that happens so uh, you know i don't know i don't think it's going to happen but we'll see i do think that America's about to be hit hard though hard harder than people think i think that there's this like there's kind of like this veil over people's eyes in america right now where it's it's like business as usual but you got to wear a mask right um but it's not business as usual and i think that people americans are very proud people um, you know, travel to a lot of different countries, and most other places aren't as—they're uh, not as like—they're not as proud. Like they don't—they'll—they'll they'll tell you what's going on. If something's wrong, you'll know something's wrong. Americans, for some reason, man, they could be fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt and still driving their Porsche around and not care. You know, it's just weird. But I think that I think something's coming. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't want to give speculations or you know, make people scared. I hate, hate fear mongering, but again, I, I can only tell you my personal situation and that is, I'm trying to stay liquid. We have money in property, but besides that it's, it's mostly in cash. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, you know, you're right. No one can, no one can predict it. It's all speculation. Anything you hear at this point is all speculation. And, and you know, this isn't investment advice or anything, but, um, when you look at, you know, I want to just say one more point to this and we'll move on to another topic here. But when, um, when, you know, I look at when COVID started, the markets were topping at that point. And then people didn't heed the warnings. They're like, they knew it was coming. They knew COVID was coming, but how could that not affect the market? But yet it was still topping, topping, topping. Obviously the smart ones, like all the CEOs in America pulled out all their money, but then a lot of citizens lost a ton of money. And we're kind of back to that now. It's like we know the economy is gonna be fucked because of like the stimulus, all the inflation, too much currency moving around. Yeah. So, kind of gotta like heed the warning a little bit.
1: But, um, I, yeah, I agree. I or at least like, at least at least prepare, have some sort of, um, start saving something, or, you know, start selling stuff off. I mean, when your financial advisor who downgrades from a from a house to a condo, you know something something might be coming. Like, you got to start looking at what these people are doing. Yeah. So, and again, I think that if that does happen, if for some reason people start losing their jobs and they can't pay for their mortgages and stuff, and the economy gets re- hit really hard in America, I, I do think that that trend will hit vintage at some point. It has to. It has to. Just um, the lack
0: of money people have to spend. It's it just the lack of money. Spend. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I hate I- to say it, but I, I hope I hope to God that these people... That are paying thousands of dollars for t shirts. I hope that they have unlimited money because, like, they're not spending those, their rent money here. Yeah, man. And I think that, you know, I don't know, just be safe. <laughs> don't spend and your money. I was listening to a, a
0: podcast uh, the other day, the group chat pod. Um, anyway, he was talking about on, uh, homeless rates in America, where, like, mm. even California, they predict 37% eviction because of it. <sighs> And then that, that and sounds. he said, he said some states were in the forty percent eviction rates, which that's terrible. That's like massive economic crisis. Yeah,
1: it's yeah, it's super scary, super scary stuff. But so
0: that's why you live in Florida? Multiple you live in Florida, and there's Florida was like the butt of the joke through the whole COVID.
1: I know, I know. <laughs> Florida is such a weird place, dude. It's such a weird place. People, people were so tense, so on edge, you know. Um, and I hate it, like. It's, it's hard to even like have a friendly conversation with someone anymore because it, it always goes, boils back down to like politics or um, are you a masker or a non-masker, or whatever it is. Like people are so weird here in Florida. It's like, dude, just wear the, wear the fucking mask, shut up and you'll be fine, I promise, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> That's, I, I know? I used to go to Florida a lot. My grandparents lived there when I was young and we lived on the East Coast. I'm originally from yeah. uh, near Toronto, so okay. we would do the drive down at least once or twice a year, go to Disney yeah. World all the time, but I haven't gone back in years now.
1: Yeah, I, I love it here, and I hate it here. Like, I I really like where we are. We have a nice little house where we can walk to the store. I really like our new property. Um, we have a good group of friends here, my family's here, so I like that about Florida. I love the beach, I love the water. Um, it gets hot as balls, so I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, right. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. it's fine. I want to
0: talk about um, income because you don't have to tell me your deep dark secrets, but you share this on your YouTube a lot. Like you'll literally yeah. post a video being like, "We made this much money from this and everything." So sure, sure. when you look at incomes, uh, and we kind of touched on it because you said it's important to diversify incomes, which I agree myself, you know, I have Frankie, F as in Frank, two yeah. stores, uh, a wholesale business, you know, all these different yeah, things that I do. You're a goat, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, but Real. I don't touch your, you're making like fuck off YouTube money even.
1: Oh, uh, not really. I mean, it's all relative. You know what I mean? Like even our YouTube channel in the grand scheme of things we're tiny. We're 100, almost 150,000 subscribers which is a lot in reselling, but I mean, come on, there's massive channels out there.
0: But that's just one facet. Like you you, you yeah. said in a video, you're potentially making, was it a hundred K a year?
1: Off YouTube? Yeah. Oh, easily, yeah.
0: That's, good. that's like, for, for some people that's like, that's all they would need, right? And mm, beautiful thing about that, there's no back expense besides your time. Correct. You don't have Correct. to pay inventory costs. You don't have to pay rent for. That. I mean, you pay rents, but it's like not built into the. So
1: that's an. Yeah, it is. It's it is. Um, but it is a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. Like making the videos, editing the videos, doing the SEO, making sure that they get out there the right way, doing the thumbnails. It's it's, it's not easy. Um, and I think it takes a certain personality to be able to do it over and over and over again. Like, I mean, we've we've been on YouTube almost. In October we it'll be three three years? I think three years. That's yeah.
0: So self is So, selfish question. All right. <laughs> Tips, man.
1: How do I for a
0: hundred thousand dollars a year on YouTube?
1: I know I'm not that consistent, um, but Okay, so I think the biggest tip I can give you is you have to get into a you have to get into a different um clientele base. Not that there's anything wrong with just vintage, but I think going, like you're going into investing and stuff, that's the smartest move that you've made, go on your YouTube and podcast. Uh, because the money on YouTube, the ad revenue money comes from women and uh, over 35 age group usually. Really? Yes, because they click on ads and they shop. No
0: shit, okay. Yeah,
1: so that's why if you look at like a, uh, like a gamer channel, um, where most of their audience is male and under 17 years old, their CPM, you know, what CPM is obviously. Um, yeah. So CPM is for those listening. CPM is how much money you make per thousand views. So per thousand views, if you're making 50 cents, uh, or if you're making a dollar per thousand views and your video gets 50,000 views, you make 50, you make $500
0: right? Yeah. Did I do that right?
1: Well, no, it's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh
0: no, $5,000. 50 bucks. 50 bucks. First thousand Whatever.
1: Views, yeah. Anyway. Don't, no, don't trust anything I say. <laughs> um, anyway, so what I've said is that the, the amount of money that you make per thousand views varies based on your demographic that you're targeting. So if you're a gaming channel and your, your audience is mostly young males that don't have expendable income, your CPM is probably like 50 cents to a dollar when you get into financial stuff or reselling in the, in the right aspect, right? Our CPM is like $15. So it's a much, much higher CPM. Because so, you have,
0: you have that demographic of correct. Generalized resellers, but they're older women,
1: they're older men they're yes. on ads. Yes. Yes. So, and, and even going further, cause I watch all this stuff during COVID. Um, we've been making a lot of videos around vintage t-shirts, unboxings and all that stuff. Those videos make far less money than doing a video teaching eBay or doing a video showing finances or doing a ride along thrift video.
0: They got got 6,000 bucks to spend on a t-shirt. You don't click on a goddamn ad.
1: There's no advertisers. Like you got to have the advertisers that want to, you know, the biggest oh. advertisers is would be Macari probably on eBay. That's on actually YouTube, a right?
0: very good tip, dude. Thank you. And I, I look at stuff. I've, no. I've done videos. on. I just like, whatever. I'm just yeah. like, this is me in my head. Sure. I'll make a video on whatever. Yeah. But I look at some of the most successful ones and a bunch of them have been about marketing, like generalized, yeah. like YouTube, um, Shopify marketing stuff or whatever. I post yeah. those videos seem to do great even like books, some of my book reviews, which are just random, have done really well. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so, and then, you know, uh, a a channel that I think does really, really well with this is, I don't know if if you've seen his videos, but there's a guy named Graham Stephan. Um, Go look at his channel. He does, I mean, he's making like hundred thousand dollars a month off of his finance channel where he just talks about like, you know, everything to do with finance, investing, credit cards, financial advice, real estate investing, all that good stuff. Um, but it's very well done. And he's literally just in a studio. He does most of his videos sitting in the studio and makes six figures a month off YouTube revenue. So there's ways to do it if you target the right area. Um, but but at the end of the day, like I still think with YouTube, like for it to be sustainable, it still has to be something that you enjoy doing. So like for me, if, if all I did was this, like sit in the studio and teach, I would get so bored so fast doing those videos. I have to go out and hunt and pick and do something that I like to do. And that's why I don't really care that the like the vintage unboxing videos on YouTube aren't making as much money as other videos because I enjoy that. And sometimes it's not about making money on YouTube. It's just about, I just wanna unbox something and it's cool to me, right? Yeah, totally, no, I agree. And the reason I
0: started do, putting out all this content in the beginning, this podcast, cause I do enjoy helping people as I'm getting older It's like what fuels me more and more and more. Right. So how old are you? Um, I'll be 40 this month.
1: Oh, okay. You're not that much older than me, man. How old are you? 32.
0: 32. Yeah. A few years, a few years. Yeah. 40 this month, man. So But I mean, I'm a,
1: I'm a, I'm an old timer in this game. (laughs) So you're a, you're a godfather, man. (laughs) We
0: Look at that. Old head is a mentality, you
1: know? I know. I know. It's crazy. It's um, crazy.
0: There's a lot. There's a lot younger people than us that have already adapted the old head mentality and are hating that's on the true. game and that's put themselves in a weird, weird, that's true, bad spiral scenario. But,
1: but there's also a lot of younger people than us crushing it
0: too. It's true, crushing
1: totally. it, doing stuff way better than me.
0: Oh yeah, I'm like I get inspired all the time, and you know I look at, uh, you know, we did this for so long, and I, people have told me they're like they used to they used to come on our website to learn about vintage, right? obviously sold a lot too but they used to come to learn and see what we were selling and then they would go and thrift if they they saw in the thrift used to like now kids will look up on ebay completed but they used to actually go to Ephes and frank because we were one of the only sites doing a lot of that that's Um, crazy and then we inspired like a generation that's more like early 30s and then they inspired this new generation so you talk to kids now and they're like sean witherspoon got me in the game or that generation. So it's like this trickle down of generations yeah. and it's, it's, it's cool. cool to see.
1: Yeah. I love it. And it's so cool to see like the different, the different style of vintage and what the younger generation is starting to get into. Like, you know, 2005 to 2010 tees are starting to be cool. They're starting to be cool. You know what I mean? And there are I, that's, that's awesome. And, yeah. and we have to learn that too. I do anyway, because I don't I, know, you know,
0: yeah. Well, I, for me too, man, like, I don't yeah. have a good knowledge of cartoons from 2010.
1: I was like yeah, exactly. already in my twenties. Right. <laughs> exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I love working with my younger brother, Ben, because he's, he's, you know, at least a generation below me where he has an eye for certain things that I just wouldn't see. So it's cool. So
0: that's a good topic, Ben. Um, I don't know if I even knew your brothers in the beginning, but then I put it together was he always working with you guys or was he doing his own thing at first?
1: So he still does his own thing and he started, he started doing his own thing. He probably always will do his own thing. Um, Ben just works with us for like pictures and he'll, he'll get inventory from us sometimes. Um, but Ben and his page and his Instagram, it's all his own thing. Yeah. And he started doing that before working with us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, that's cool. They get to work with your brother. I work with my brother. I love it.
1: Nice. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. So, Back to the income for a second, Okay, you got eBay, you got YouTube income, you got Uh, Instagram income, you have wholesale income, you have your program income. mm -hmm. Obviously, your big ones are like your eBay and now probably the T-shirts. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wholesale, Uh, we do we do pretty well in mentoring as well. So we'll do we do mentoring usually four to six times a year. And that'll bring in like one hundred to one hundred and fifty K.
0: For the per per round or for the whole no year?
1: no total for the year for the year yeah. Okay. yeah and
0: then what's like the breakdown between like your ebay income and t-shirts are you making more on t-shirts now than ebay yeah nice yeah. You just went right in <laughs> <laughs> i don't
1: i don't mess around man i have like kind of an obsessive uh behavior with certain things so if i like something i think that's why youtube grew so fast too because i really like youtube i still do um but I I went hard into YouTube, doing it, doing something different and going really hard into it. And I'm kind of doing the same thing with vintage. And the funny thing is like, going, when I first started doing YouTube, there were these uh, big reseller channels out there already. And the same thing happened where people hated on us because we are doing something different and doing it in a little bit of a unique, better way than them. And then eventually those people became our friends and now our accounts are bigger than theirs. So. And that we're doing the same thing with vintage. We're not trying to hurt anybody. Um, we're trying to better the community, but we're trying to make money doing it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool, man. I mean, that's the end of my, uh, I mean, the
0: last question I want to ask actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're a smart guy. I always tell people that. I'm like, Thanks. no, you, just, it. just from outside looking in, you can, you can tell that because you're making moves. Um, what are your growth plans? and you know, how does this relate to your goals? And do you guys set year over year financial goals for all these different departments of your company? Yep. And like if you could give us uh, some of your future plans here.
1: Sure, um, so the, there's different aspects to the business. So the, the first thing is like we are comfortable, which is dangerous. Um, I think that sometimes it's not good to be comfortable. So we will switch things up just to try to get out of that comfort zone. Um, but if we, if we, all we do is maintain and we provide a good income for our employees and a little bit of money for ourselves, and we're able to take time off to travel, that's our biggest thing. Haven't been able to do it this year. Um, but we try to take off like two months a year to travel. Nice. So if we can run a sustainable business and keep doing that and, and not grow, we're, we're not trying to be a 20, $30 million company. All we want to do is sustain, help a few people out and pay our bills. Um, and live like as stress free life as we possibly can, so so yeah, I mean if all we if all we do is maintain, I have no issues with that <clears throat> on the vintage side of things, um we do want to open stores at some point uh we we're, we're starting to plan a few things to do with that, so you want to open vintage stores yeah, in Florida, yeah. Or you don 't know where you're in uh probably probably the first one in Florida, yeah, so. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. No promises. Um, but yeah, so we want to, we do want like a physical location for, uh, for vintage. Uh, we want to keep doing our boxes, keep doing individual sales, keep building eBay. Um, but I don't know. So the thing about reselling too, is like, people ask me that ask me, like, do you think you'll always do what you do? And the answer is, yeah, I'll, I'll always resell something. I don't know what though. Like, from where we started reselling to where we are now, I wouldn't have thought that we would be selling exactly what we're selling now. So for, for me, like I would like to get into bigger, riskier things. So maybe an example, more more property property type things. Uh, we're going to, we're going to try to like buy a piece of property a year for the next eight years. So by the time we're 40, you know, we'll have 10 properties. So, that kind of plays into my next question
0: is that sort of your retirement plan then in property
1: yeah i mean we we have a 401k we have a sep ira like we try to put money away into actual retirement accounts too um but property i like property it's it's a very cool asset you know yeah. like we bought the this house that i'm in right now we bought it as a short sale um and it's more than doubled in value since we bought oh, it oh
0: that's a repo from the bank a short sale yeah Nice. And how did you go about finding that short sale?
1: Through a realtor. When we oh, came realtor. back from, a, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 See, that's it was, something that like, in, I admire, you know, in Florida, you can do that. It's really tricky in Canada because we don't like you're in Florida has one of the cheaper housing markets in the country. It does.
1: Correct? It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Cost of living here is pretty cheap. It's getting more expensive lately, but it's, it's still fairly cheap.
0: Yeah. Um, well, good for you for doing that. So it, it, you got it on a crazy wholesale deal anyway, and the property value went up.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. So will
0: you look for more properties with the same on a short sale?
1: Uh, so right now there isn't a lot of inventory for short sale or foreclosures, but again, going back to the market, I think the market's gonna crash in the next year. And when that happens, we'll try to load up on inventory then, yeah. Yeah, cool, which sucks because it's like at the expense of other people, which I hate. Um, but it's the way the things go, you know.
0: Yeah, totally. No, I agree. Um, I have a couple properties. Well, I have a commercial building that we just bought a couple of years ago. That's going to be turned into a dispensary nice. pretty soon here because
1: oh, sweet, weed is legal in Canada, man. Oh yeah, it's on the ballot here. <laughs> yeah, nice. And it's then medical, medical here in Florida.
0: Um, and we want to invest in the States, man. So I'll be with you shopping out some properties when,
1: uh, Yeah. So c- commercial real estate is something I want to get into at some point. Uh, we, uh, I have a commercial piece of land with nothing on it. That's it. But I would oh, like yeah. to get into commercial. It's very expensive here. How many properties do you have? Man? Uh, just three.
0: Okay. The one you live in the ranch and then a, a piece of land. Yeah. Sweet. So yeah. what are you going to do with the land? Cause that's when you buy land, you're still paying that off unless you've already paid it off, but we bought it cash. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. It's tax.
1: Yeah. It's just the tax, but I don't know. We, we bought it to develop a, a retail space on it for the company. Um, but it was so expensive, so expensive to build on it that we ended up buying the ranch because it was too expensive to build on it. And all those buildings
0: we- on the ranch were there.
1: Yeah, we bought that ranch. We bought five acres with the two buildings on it for less than what it would have cost us to build a uh, thousand square foot building on that commercial piece of property.
0: Wow! <clears throat> and is there a is there a a residence on the ranch?
1: Uh, there's like a little trailer in the back that we rent out.
0: Oh, cool! So the person who had it before was like living in the trailer, or was that your? It church?
1: was a it was a church. So Ooh, like her- I don't know. Yeah, bro. Great. <laughs> Yeah. It was a church. So um, I don't know who was living in the trailer back there, but it was a disaster. The trailer. Uh, I don't even know if anybody was living in there, but it actually worked out awesome. We we met this really, really nice guy um, and he we ended up giving him the trailer and he's like completely renovated it. He's super handy. He's like fixing it up and stuff. And then he like helps maintain our property and pays us like a little bit of rent. And it's like having a full time security guard there too. It's pretty cool.
0: Oh yeah, That's handy, man. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a challenge for the listeners?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I was thinking about this and I was like, uh, what do I do? I don't want to do anything like too cliche and reselling. Um, And I decided the challenge that I want to throw out there is get off of social media for like, I don't know, three days, maybe, maybe three days. It's, It's so toxic right now, man. It is. And sometimes it's so nice just to like, cleanse yourself of, of that, of, of everything that's out there. So yeah, that's my challenge. Like, don't go on right, Facebook. No, it's, hard, a it's a challenge. hard challenge, dude. It's a you hard know, challenge.
0: I think there's levels too. Like, you know, sometimes I'll take breaks of looking yeah. at anything, but I'll be like, I'm gonna, I'll post and I'll yeah. only look at people who, who have sent me a message, but I won't scroll anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And take even that kind of break is really good.
1: Yeah. It's and- It's a tough, it's a tough one for me because I read, every single youtube comment that we get and i try to like reply to it and dude i like i'm one of those people that is i won't react but it'll hit home you know what i mean so like uh, good and bad i love getting good comments and the bad comments they irk me sometimes and sometimes i just have to be like all right i'm not i'm not even looking at the comments of this video you know so yeah i've
0: learned to uh just laugh, laugh those off but oh yeah i think we're going into a bit of a uh you know, this goes in with your challenge, but I think we're going into a mental health crisis.
1: 100%. Because of
0: COVID and because of people spending too much time online, too much time alone yeah. online, mm. you know, held up in small spaces, not having access to nature. So yep. I think that's a good challenge. I think, you know, you yeah. gotta get outside, you gotta breathe the fresh air. And
1: Yeah, maybe we can add that to it. Like go outside, get off social media, go outside. I, I started um, like... A month ago i started doing a thing where as much time as i spend on social media i have to spend outside exercising and it's it's helped me immensely because i actually got in a in a bad like depression for a while there um because it i mean it's it is it's it's very depressing sitting at home doing nothing not seeing friends not seeing family just like being cooped up um even even like this is nice like doing zoom calls and stuff is it's awesome uh, yeah. but it doesn't it still doesn't like it doesn't take the place of human interaction face-to-face <laughs> oh, so i don't know man but social media yeah man there's there's some like neg- super ne- uh, negative stuff out there right now and i think there you have people, it people people deserve a break
0: take a break go outside breathe some fresh air get your head straight brian that was a great episode dude thank Thanks, you for
1: bro, coming I appreciate on it. we got, we got yeah.
0: all my notes covered talked about yeah. a lot of stuff
1: can I say one more thing? Yeah, dude. Anybody who wants to like connect with me or like reach out on social media, I know I just say get off social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, I'm a, I'm a super friendly guy and I, I talk to people on Instagram all the time. Um, and I'm, I'll, you know, I try to be as real as I possibly can. So if you want to reach out to me, if you have any, have any questions about anything, I'm pretty open, feel free to send me DM.
0: Okay, any last shout outs beyond that?
1: Shout out Drew for bringing me on this podcast, man. This is fun. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> I
0: appreciate it. I appreciate that you guys are out there helping people. You know, it's, it's good. It's good karma. It's good for the world. Thanks,
1: okay. bro. Appreciate you.
0: All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I had a lot of fun recording it. Ryan's a super nice guy. It was a great chat. And if you learned something, if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. You know, show some love. Also, if you appreciate what I'm doing, go check out my Patreon. There's lots more exclusive content on there. There's different levels you can sign up for. So go check that out. At the very least, use my Amazon link down below. Buy something. It helps me out. I also have a huge selection of books down there you can choose from that will help you on your journey, okay? Have a good one. See you on the next show.